When irrational terror takes to itself the fiat of moral goodness, somebody has to die. No man lives who has not got a panic button. And when it is pressed by the clean white hand of moral duty, a certain murderous train is set in motion. Arthur Miller The Walking Dead, Season 2, Episode 1, What Lies Ahead Trigger warnings for this episode are suicide, missing persons, religion, and gun violence. Please stay safe and stay sane. Thanks for listening. Hello everyone and welcome back to Feed Don't Eat Your Brain. I'm Zachary Ballard and with us today is Donnie Owens. Uh, go ahead and introduce yourself, Donnie. Uh, hi there. Yeah, my name is Donnie. Um, I am a, uh, uh, I, I am a graduate instructor up at USU, just kind of living life. Uh, had the awesome opportunity to come on this podcast with Zach. Known him for a few years. He's a really super creative and uh, just really intelligent guy. And I'm, I'm so excited to be on this podcast. Uh, thanks, man. I appreciate that. Uh, yeah. Um, another person. So he, he went to USUE before my time there uh, and did theater there. So that's kind of how we... We came to know each other a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. Haven't hung out a lot, though, which is sort of um, a downer, to be honest. But, you know, <laughs> uh, I, I come I come to school and they're like, you're the new Donnie, Zach. And I'm like, I'm the new Donnie. <laughs> and then I met Donnie. I was like, yeah, I'm the new Donnie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it was it was very much the same on, on my other end. I'm like, yeah, yeah you got to meet this guy, Zach. He's like, he's like the new you. I was like, the, the, the new me. And like, I met him, <laughs> shook hands. And it was like, kind of like that instant thing. Yeah, like, I, I feel that. I feel that. Uh-huh. Um, I'm both uh, happy and, and you know, um, uh, sympathetic that you had to take on that mantle. You know, oh, it's, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's a, lot. <laughs> it's, a, it's a hard mantle to take on for sure. Um, so uh, have you have you watched The Walking Dead, Donnie? I have, I have. I've admittedly only gotten to like the first three seasons, and I kind of okay. got away from it. Uh, it's hard for me to kind of stick with a lot of shows these days, but I really mm-hmm. did like the first uh, first couple seasons. I saw and uh, characters, some really solid characters and character interactions. Yeah, yeah. That's that's usually how like that's usually when people have dropped off that watch The Walking Dead that were just sort of like, because um, like season four and season five are pretty pretty low energy. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, so. Um, so you'd consider yourself like a fan? Like how much of a fan would you be of The Walking Dead? Would you? Yeah, I, I, yeah, no, that's, that's a really good question. I, I, I wouldn't consider myself a diehard, I think, by any uh-huh. stretch. But I, I, the episodes I have watched, I've really loved the interactions. And uh, I, I think it plays on some very uh, human moments. And I guess the crux of it is being, um, is being human and maybe trying to hold on to humanity in a place yeah. where we don't have the normal social rules that we usually do because we're just all trying to fight to survive. So it plays at some very great character interactions and some, uh, some really hard questions are asked by it. So, yeah, I, I do find myself really liking the show. Yeah, for sure. Um, so what do you think about this episode in particular? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot going on. It really, um, you know, obviously it starts out kind of crazy with this horde just, you know, going through the highway and just kind of uh, so much confusion with, with uh, everyone trying to find shelter. Um, Andrew has that really close moment, uh, <laughs> kind of having to break down and, and, and get, get that zombie kill herself. Yeah. Um, and obviously they're trying to find uh, Carol's daughter. Gosh, what's her name? Uh, it's uh, Sophia. Yeah, there we go. Sophia. Yeah. And just the, that's like the main, um, kind of the main point of the episode. And they're just, they're all trying to do the best they can to fa- faced with, uh, you know, either expending the resources and looking out for Carol, who's already been through so much and uh kind of losing hope slowly that they're going to find Sophia and uh yeah there's there's a lot going on it's 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 a solid episode yeah yeah for sure it, it's a really good first start to the season so um i wanted to talk about like the choices that people make when they're panicking versus when they're not panicking mm-hmm. and i saw like four distinct things the first one i want to talk about is um t dog is he the the horde is coming down the road and then uh he and then he like panics and falls and like cuts his arm really bad. Mm-hmm. And then um, and then he starts panicking more because he is bleeding out essentially. And then Daryl not panicking because he's he's Daryl. He's Daryl. I don't yeah. think I've ever seen him panic. <laughs> uh, but he he's not panicking and he basically saves T Dog's life. And I I just think like how bodily injury can really make us panic even more. Mm. Um, when we're in those dire circumstances. So what, what do you think about that? No, no, I, th- I think that's a really good, uh, really good point. I think bodily injury for me, I haven't had uh, as much experience with with uh, with bodily injury personally, and which is surprising because I'm just I'm the clumsiest guy you'll ever meet. Um, uh, but I think uh, what fascinated me about that scene is I think um, just 
of course, Daryl's always kind of made out as the guy who was prepared for this kind of lifestyle and prepared for a situation like this. Whereas I think a lot of folks who just kind of live their day to day normally were always kind of cautioned to really think and consider and make decisions. And uh, in a scenario of, of just normal day to day life, you don't really, you know, you do have to make those quick split second decisions. But uh, we also are cautioned to have that time to think. And here um, we see someone who is injured and who just has all the other sense knocked out of them and is kind of frozen by this indecision. And then you have uh, Daryl coming up and really just being able to make that quick split second decision because uh likely you know uh, him and merle were kind of raised to make those split second decisions and uh yeah i know that it, it's really interesting too how like the physiology um uh, affects that decision making process because now you're not just having to deal with the stimuli of this impending decision now you're concerned for your health uh and now you know you can't think clearly because of it so th there's a lot there yeah yeah and like since my marriage i have cut my finger really bad like twice um and <laughs> and i even start panicking from that like i'm losing a ton of blood and i'm getting lightheaded and, you know, oh, yeah. and that, that gash would have, would have made me pass out immediately, I feel like. And so it's, it's sort of interesting to, to see, like, cause, um, and I talked about this a little bit last episode, but when you're from an outside perspective you, and you're not panicking, you can see what to do. You can see basically like, okay, just do this, like get under the car and, you know, but when you're in that situation fully in it, it's so hard to like mm. think logically uh, when you're when adrenaline is just pumping through your system. Well, yeah, and, and I think like um, that that like fight or flight type response it has has such an effect on that too. And uh, injury and pain is really one thing that can get us get us in that zone. I've uh, I've recently started doing a little bit of boxing, and I'm still pretty yeah. I'm still pretty introductory, still pretty bad, bad at it. But um, I've done I've done sparring a little bit, and uh, just it, it really does kind of ring through the expressions. Everyone does have a plan until they get punched in the mouth. And my first time sparring, I had all these plans, all, all these things I wanted to do to kind of implement what I learned. And I got punched in the nose once, and I just immediately started panicking. I started like searching <laughs> for a corner to try to like regroup myself. It didn't, uh -huh. it didn't even hurt that much like it it just it was just the shock of everything i'm like i actually got punched in the face like oh hell this happened uh, yeah. so <laughs> like it, it really does kind of uh shock you and put you in a place where um you kind of have to change tactic or really consider um different things than you had to before so yeah it, it's funny how pain can just put you in that sense of shock yeah yeah for sure and and like um i in one of my auditioning classes mm -hmm. we were talking about when the adrenaline like dumps in your body before you're about to audition or mm. even before you're about to perform and stuff and we were trying to train our bodies to to not allow the adrenaline to drop and mm. and cuz cuz when whenever i go up to an audition and i am just spiked on adrenaline and i'm just like my mind is going a million miles an hour and it it really affects the the work i do mm. but i've i've noticed for sure that whenever i slow down and don't allow the adrenaline to drop into my body i give such better work because i'm not i'm not so wired essentially mm. i'm not high basically you know right um yeah um and then another example is um andrea she so uh, this made me so upset because if she would have just chilled out and stayed quiet and and not tried to get her gun put together then she would have been okay you know it was the fact that she she like felt like she mm -hmm. needed this gun in order to live when she wouldn't have gone through that situation if she just stayed calm and quiet, you know? Yeah, no, I, I was actually watching the episode a little bit this morning and uh, just, I, without fail, every time I see that, it's just, uh, you know, the, you see, you know, the, the walker is almost out of the car, almost out of the RV. It's like, okay, we're mm -hmm. good. You know, she's averted it. And every time it's just the little clink, uh, just, yep. and, and uh, obviously there's a lot going on in that situation. Obviously maybe she, she, she wouldn't know if there would be another walker coming right in and, and, and seeing her, but uh, you know, just being able to take a second to breathe kind of, kind of like you were saying a bit ago, right with the audition, if you can uh, realize that, yeah, adrenaline is, is a good thing and it can, it can help you to, um, uh, kind of channel that energy, but it can also really be an inhibitor if you're kind of wired and not able to channel your your intelligence and, and your wherewithal in, in, in a good way. Um, it, it can be an inhibitor for sure. Uh, yeah. So she kind of allowed that to take over and just, like you said, focused on focused on the gun and that being the number one priority rather than just surviving that moment. So that's kind of a choice she made in the moment was picking, uh, latching onto the gun and making sure that was put together rather than just surviving the moment. Yeah, and, and we saw a lot of arguments within the entire episode about, like, guns in general and who gets to carry a gun. Mm -hmm. And and even when, when Rick caught up to Sophia, Sophia panicked and was like, get get the gun, shoot them. But, but you know, it, it would have made things way worse if they actually shot the gun, shot a gun at any time during that, because then the Horde would have came back to them, the Horde would have known they were there. Yeah. And it, it's so, like, for some reason, Andrea thinks that that guns are the most um, 
like are the best weapon to have in these situations when they're not like mm. I, I I personally think guns make things more dangerous and I think it's because Andrea is in a constant state of panic and she's in a constant state of like what if this happens again what if I get attacked again mm. and she she feels like that gun is her safety net mm-hmm. when the the gun is a safety net for a short period of time but then that safety net is going to just open up and cause you to fall on the ground uh, mm-hmm. even harder if that makes sense no and, and i think uh i think you bring up a really good point about like the, there being just a ton of conflict between um using guns and having them be like i guess this uh this instrument of just uh, it's almost like an instrument of saviorism uh in, in a post-apocalyptic world kind of like this uh and then you see at the very end right with uh, with carl and the deer that kind of becomes something oh, yeah. uh, a gun maybe used a little bit too rashly or without forethought right becomes this moment that puts a really key character in danger and suddenly everything's turned on its head again so mm-hmm. so yeah yeah i i think it's a it's a good uh, good discussion to have. Yeah, and then then the other the other issue we had with panicking is Sophia obviously panicked and and I mean, uh, being being a little girl that is so <laughs> helpless in this apocalypse has to be so traumatizing and scary. But <laughs> I, and I mean it it's so interesting because because Rick goes into action and then he has Sophia hide. And um, mm. they debate in the show whether that was the right choice or not. And I, I think, I think Rick was panicking as well. Do, do, I don't know. What do you think? Do you think Rick was panicking um, as well, just a little bit? Because because I think he could have handled the two walkers if he had just if he just had Sophia hang back and he would have grabbed the rock mm. and just um, killed them essentially. Then I think it would have been fine right. and Sophia would have been with him. But I mm. I don't think he had to leave her there. You know, what do you think? Yeah, it, it, it's interesting because uh, uh, we uh, uh, I, I study interpersonal uh, communications. And uh, one uh, thing we were talking about this week is uh, 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 emotional contagion, which is basically it's, it's a theory that we as humans, we feed off of each other's emotions. Mm. Uh, it's kind of like the like an example is I think there was a commercial by Coke a few years ago where a man just starts laughing in a crowded subway and suddenly everyone's just laughing with him because laughter is that kind of contagious emotion that we feed off other uh-huh. uh, fear and anxiety and panic, like kind of all clumped together within this episode kind of show is a real yeah. case of that emotional contagion where if one person starts really just, just panicking, it just kind of spikes from there and it snowballs. So I, I do think that, Rick kind of I do think that he, he did jump the gun just a little bit and I think that, yeah, I, like I, I couldn't blame him for it either because kind of like you mentioned Sophia is just this little girl in apocalypse and I think like his first instinct was um, okay can I take these walkers and can I make sure the situation's safe instead of it being that it was how do I get her to a place where she's absolutely safe because right here yeah. um, isn't safe. Uh, but I I do think right the the tone in his voice and the way in which he kind of he, he he talked to her I I did think it kind of had that emotional contagion effect and led to her running off and I also think that also led to her you know they followed her footsteps in her pathway um you know Daryl said well she was doing good until yeah. here and then she veered off the path so be, because because of kind of the emotional contagion that was going around she wasn't really able to to make the, make that best choice but yeah I know Rick was definitely in a rough position so it's it's hard to say exactly but I do think he just just a little bit a little bit too much yeah yeah and I mean Shane even mentions like Rick told him told her exactly what to do and shane mentions like she was she was scared like you kind of have to think of what actually stuck of what you told her you know and it it's so interesting that when we're in a state of shock and fear that we just sort of shut down um Mm. we either shut down or we completely hyper focus if that makes sense but yeah um and then i wanted to talk about carol Carol's panicking essentially the entire episode because her daughter goes missing, um, mm-hmm. and there and Carol blames Rick basically the entire episode, and she she says things to Rick that you know she she probably wouldn't say if she wasn't panicking, and I I also think that that when you're when you are panicking and you're in a state of fear and shock, it is so easy to say things that you normally wouldn't say because mm-hmm. you're so scared. Like I remember, um, I remember you know driving learning how to drive and uh and this kind of goes back to to what you call it uh communication um oh uh emotional contagion emotional contagion yeah my mom's freaking out because i because i'm a new driver and i'm nervous and that makes me more nervous and makes me start to freak out and then we both say things to each other that we Mm -hmm. wouldn't normally say to each other but because we're scared 
it it causes us to say those things yeah no i think it's oh gosh and it, it's so hard because that's how so many conflicts uh not only get started but get continued just because in our own state of fear and in our own state of panic we're too kind of caught up in it to realize that we're furthering it and that we're also transferring onto someone else right mm -hmm. and consequently that um as someone is speaking to us in ways that they normally wouldn't speak right due to the situation that uh that it's also because of that that they're not like meaning to personally attack us or they're not meaning to elevate the situation that that they're just acting as we are so it's yeah it's su super fascinating um i think you know there have definitely been times where um like i am i, I have a little sister and i am fiercely protective of her yeah. even though admittedly sometimes she's a she's a strong-headed uh little thing so I, I know that sometimes she gets herself into trouble but um uh like whenever i hear that my dad was like a little bit too harsh for her i i go like papa bear mode and i call him be like hey you know she called me she was having a really rough time like what the hell like <laughs> yeah. and i love my dad we have like a really good relationship so but because i'm like so afraid for my little sister and i have those really strong emotions tied to it um it causes me to put aside like my admiration for my father and my knowledge that you know he generally knows best and kind of jump into that more protective mode of hey uh i i really don't care but you know we need to make sure that that that, that our that our sister's okay here and i think it's kind of how carol reacts to rick throughout the episode as well right um she's shown some pretty good admiration for rick in the past and obviously a lot of people pretty much everybody in the group at this point looks up to rick but right now all she can see in him is the guy who panicked and, and made the decision that led to her daughter being lost in the woods alone. So now now that's elevated and she can't really think of anything besides that. So yeah, it really is interesting the way our emotions can just carry and carry and carry and make interactions just so much different than they would be. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and and you know, Rick throughout this whole series, Rick gets blamed for so much that and, mm -hmm. and Lori even mentions it. She's like, Listen, none of you guys know what could have been done differently, what choices could have made, been made differently, and how do you know you would have made a different choice? And, and mm. you know, Rick was the one that stepped up and actually made a choice. And so it, it's so fascinating how when a leader makes a decision that we disagree with or that we don't like, uh, like how quickly we are as, as not the leader or, I guess, as followers – to mm. to judge the choice they made when if we were put in that situation how do we know we would have made a different choice how do we know that that choice was um the worst choice or the best choice that someone could have made you know um mm -hmm. and when people when people step up to be a leader uh they i, I think they sort of need to f understand that they're going to face scrutiny because of choices they make that don't make everyone mm -hmm. happy um mm -hmm. but it's also and it's also our job to hold leaders accountable, but it's also important to realize that we don't know what choices we would make if we were in that same situation. Well, no, I, uh, yeah, I, I think it's, it's especially interesting to reflect on this after a particularly uh, grueling uh, election cycle where yeah, like yeah. the nation's divided about the role of a leader and, and, and what we should do. And, and you have, I think, at one time, I think both, uh, you know, really strong, if you're really strong leaning left or really strong leaning right, I think there is both a question of, well, how do we, um, you know, how do we hold leaders accountable enough, but not just live to breathe and hate and question every decision they make? Because I think if, um, I don't know, if you allow yourself to get swallowed up in that, then it, it, it does become pretty dangerous. Um, and, and I also think um, that, yeah, just in general, if you are, uh, um, you you will often get a, a chance in your life to be able to become a leader and be put in a position of a leader that will give you the hindsight that just kind of smacks you in the face like man this is what people have had to deal with uh, these are the types of decisions they have to make so yeah it's 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 good to find that balance between saying hey i know that with my um my view of what a leader should be and what a leader should do that this isn't a decision i could make but i also have to be cognizant that i was not put in that position and that it's an extremely delicate position so yeah there's there's so much strapped on on rick's shoulders and i think he's uh, i think he does a good job of kind of showing humility but also kind of standing firm in his decision mm -hmm. uh in that kind of interaction he has with carol uh, a little bit more than halfway through the show yeah yeah for sure and it, it's it, it's so funny like every time i will say something that a leader has done uh, specifically that a president has done and uh and i i complain about it or i say they should have done this differently someone always comes at me as like well why don't you run for president then or why don't why don't you become the president like you don't know what it's like to be the president i'm like you're absolutely right i would not want to be president because i don't want that responsibility and i don't want to make those kinds of choices for an mm -hmm. entire country you know and so you have to be willing to to make those choices you know and mm -hmm. uh yeah 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 um so speaking of uh leadership 
I, oh, it was so, I, I had to laugh because everyone, Andrea really wanted the, her gun and no one was giving it to her. And then Rick's like, hey, Lori, here's a gun. You're not trained. And no one said, ah, because, because Rick is the leader and, yeah. and uh, it was just such beautiful nepotism because no one's going to say anything to Rick because Rick is the leader. Oh, yeah. And, and, you know, Rick just sort of became the leader. Like no one elected him. No one like like chose that Rick is going to be the leader, but it, mm. it was so funny um, to, to see like, you know, whatever the leader does, everyone just sort of follows along with that, you know? Yeah, no, it, it's uh, <laughs> just, uh, man, uh, I, I forget the name of the actress who plays Andrea, but man, she, she did just a killer job, just her little <laughs> subtle facial expression of just <laughs> looking, <laughs> yeah, looking kind of, kind of shocked, but not really. And also just pissed. Uh, <laughs> yeah. She's been gunning for that gun all episode and then everyone's like yeah laura can get a gun and it's just so funny how like andrea even mentioned that she's the odd man out along with shane and mm-hmm. when you're the odd man out and the leader disagrees with you then you're just kind of you kind of get shafted over and over and over again mm-hmm. you know and um i so i was at work last night mm-hmm. and um Okay, how do I how do I say this delicately? So there were some <laughs> issues going on at work, and um, uh, someone was trying to get a hold of our boss to try to figure this out. Mm. And the our boss was not answering, not picking up the phone, um, not answering even the text. And then uh, a, the person that was coming in to switch shifts with that other person that was trying to call gets in, mm. realizes the situation, calls our boss. And then our boss immediately answers this other person. And and then the other person was like, <laughs> they were so mad. And and I it just reminded me of that, that like, there's so, nepotism is so real and oh, yeah. you don't realize it. And then the other person was like, oh, it's just, it's just him being him, you know? And then the other person was like, that's easy for you to say because you're in this position where you can say that, you know? So yeah. I just thought it was really funny. Um well- yeah. It's a uh, it's it's interesting how um uh it's interesting how I, I don't know I I think a lot of people would assume something like nepotism would would I guess fade or, or go away in, in like the case of a zombie apocalypse right because sometimes we, we assign like the um the label of authority only to like official titles like oh he's the manager uh you mm-hmm. know he's he's the boss he's the president or whatever and maybe that would go away once it's just kind of every every person for themselves but it lives in our everyday interactions it's kind of, to a lesser extent mm-hmm. you know it's it, uh the whole Andrew situation kind of reminded me of you know when uh a less popular kid in a group of friends uh, like makes a joke and everyone's like that's kind of funny and then like <laughs> 10 minutes later someone makes like almost the exact same joke you know it's a little bit more popular it's like hey great one kyle you know and it's yeah, <laughs> we, <laughs> yeah. We, i was definitely the kid that would make a joke and no one would listen to me and yeah it's fun um it's it's not fun yeah <laughs> yeah so uh i saw a lot of of um themes within this episode of it's sort of hard to explain and put into words but essentially like you have two choices and it doesn't matter what choice you make, mm-hmm. it will still go to the the same outcome. Uh, mm-hmm. First thing I saw was, um, well, f- first let me talk about uh, when Rick is talking to Morgan on the, on the walkie-talkie. And um, he says this just dramatic irony line, for if you've seen the series, of hopefully things will get better. <laughs> and, and I'm like, oh, they're not. I'm so sorry. And... Um, I just thought that was so interesting. And they did a really cool cinematic shot where they were like leaving Atlanta and mm. then the car goes from the sunlight into the shadows. And I thought that was really cool. I thought I would just mention that. But um, so so one one choice I saw was that they, they saw this um, traffic jam on the highway. Mm. And then Glenn's like, well, we could go back and uh, go through uh, this other road. And then Dale was like, no, we don't have the gas to spare. But then the hose broke, and so mm-hmm. it that that choice like it doesn't matter what choice they made, the hose would have still broken, and right. um and you know a, a lot of time I've talked about this a lot before, but just the a lot of times we we bog ourselves down with like if I made this choice if I made this choice then things would have turned out differently you know but mm. but we don't we don't know what choices we make that turns things out differently than than what they would be. Um, because yeah. the hose would have still broken, you know, and mm-hmm. and that 
that thing that happened seemed to be a bad thing in the moment, and it, it turned into a bad thing because of the horde. But then it, it it was able to be turned into a good thing because they were able to get supplies, get more gas, and then they were able to siphon enough gas to go back to the place that Glenn mentioned in order mm. to get through the road. So, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, no, I think I think. Um... I think we become so obsessed with uh, like decisions that like um, uh, I guess we hold ourselves hostage with the question of like what if like gosh like what if I'd done this what if this outcome had been different and we do that both reflectively looking back on things and we do it in the moments when we're making decisions like gosh what if I what if I pick this path and and you know everything that I've worked for crumbles of and and you know maybe it could but um, uh, it's kind of reminds me if I was talking to my sister the other day and uh, she's preparing to go to college you know she's about to graduate and she's kind of stressed out about well which just what you know which school should I go to obviously mm-hmm. I, you know it's a, it's it's a big decision. And uh, I think a lot of times we kind of bank that as, oh, this is setting up the rest of my life and my life's going to be so different wherever I go. And uh, I – I'm not a firm believer in in, in destiny. Uh, I I don't believe that there's like a a, a delineated like forethought of our lives that we always will follow that path down. But I do believe that there is a um, a reasonable certainty that if we make – the same decisions uh, that that align with with our personality and our morals, uh, no matter the environment, uh, that we will end up where we're supposed to end up, and things will kind of work out in a similar way. It's kind of like the concept of the one, I guess, when we're talking about romantic interests. You know, oh, there has to be the one that I'm looking for. It's like, yeah. gosh, there are, there are seven billion people uh, on the earth. If you think that <laughs> you, your that, destiny is to find one person, man, good yeah. luck. But yeah, I, I I believe that any like you know people vibe with different people and uh, and Anyone can be with 10, 20, can be compatible with 10, 20, 50, 1,000 people because there's mm-hmm. so many people on this earth and you, you're not, you know, you're not destined to just one person. Um, speaking of which, Shane and Lori uh, mm-hmm. had a connection and obviously Lori and Rick are compatible together. Mm-hmm. And uh, Lori makes me so mad because <laughs> she's the one that told Shane like hey stay away from my family and Shane, then Shane's like fine you want me to be a dick I'll be a dick and then he's a dick to Carl and Lori's like what are you doing you broke his heart <laughs> and I'm like that's your fault dude that is literally your fault <laughs> and uh and we and I mean Shane Shane and Lori are so um imperfect people mm. and they 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 both talked about them making choices mm. that weren't good choices. Um, and those choices that they made led them down this path of further turmoil and distress. Mm-hmm. And, but, I mean, we don't know if, if anything changed or if anything was different that those, that those choices may or may not have been made or they mm. wouldn't have gone through the same issues. Does that make sense? Yeah, 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 yeah. Cool, 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 cool. Um, yeah, just Lori. She makes me so mad, and yeah, she, and like her, her like self righteous uh, tone that she has when she talks to Shane, like too. It's like you just, you just rushed him. It's like it's like he wasn't like too mean to Carl either. He just kind of said, "Hey, like just go 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 take those over to Daryl. Go take those axes over to Daryl. Like that's cool and all." But and like he kind of dismisses him when he's uh uh you know when they're searching for for Sophia in the woods. It's like yeah, we're trying to we're trying to look for Sophia. Mm-hmm. So I feel like yeah, I feel like Lori just uh. And Shane's got his own problems, absolutely. But I feel like she's projecting her insecurities that she has with her relationship with Rick definitely out of the situation with Shane. And she doesn't really have stability in either, so she goes back and forth on her decisions with both, I think. Yeah, yeah, I think so. And I I think she wants Carl to be happy. And, Mm -hmm. you know, Shane Shane helps Carl to be happy. Carl! I have to say that every episode. Uh, (laughs) And Shane, Shane obviously makes Carl happy and stuff, but it's, I don't know, man. I I don't have a lot of sympathy for Lori in this episode. And um then there's there's like a uh I I think if Rick was still alive and they mm. were with them, then Lori probably wouldn't have cheated on Rick, but these these choices that they made, I don't mm. know if they would have made them any differently if, you know, Rick still wasn't there. Like I think I think it, they were bound I think they were sort of bound to make those choices with Rick not being there, and right. that just caused them to to snowball down this event, um, down these events that that just f- pulls them further and further apart. And then Shane and Andrea talk about leaving, which is mm-hmm. is interesting because I mean Shane 
Shane doesn't want to deal with this drama anymore, which I think is a very mm-hmm. mature decision to make, to be honest. I think yeah. I think it's very like if he's if he's in love with Lori but realizes that he can't like have Lori, then I think that's a really mature decision to just slip away. But I also think it's more dangerous for him and for him and Andrea to have mm-hmm. them be just two of them, you know. And yeah. if they made the choice to to leave, then, you know, things might get worse, things might get better, but you don't know until you make that choice. Yeah, no, and uh, I feel like I feel like it's it's a selfless decision from uh, from Shane here because I think he probably realizes that hey I'm mm-hmm. this is if you know this starts coming out into the open this is going to cause Rick a, a lot of pain and I also can't be around Lori with the way the situation is so I'm just going to do what's easiest for all of us uh, well and what is going to be more difficult for me and just leave mm-hmm. and then I think one of the reasons he gets so affronted from from Andrea is uh you know the now it's it's not just his own selfless decision now there's someone kind of kind of rolled into it and that kind of takes uh that's a, another thing about decisions right is is even one more person included in the decision in any way can influence so much of what what this decision means to you and and your perceived uh, perceived consequences and that's a whole nether i guess uh branches to the timeline of of, of what could happen yeah for sure uh, i i also uh i also like that you bring up like the idea that you know, maybe Frick Frick was or wasn't around that the same decisions would have been made. It kind of plays to the idea that maybe we are influenced by outside mm-hmm. forces as far as our decision goes. Um, it kind of the the aspect of integrity, right? We are who we are when when no one is watching us is who we really are. But um, I guess those outside influences can only have that influence on us to a point, and maybe we'll always just end up making the decisions that will reflect bestly our self concept and what what we truly want. So maybe Rick was just the obstacle that didn't happen to be there for the situation to kind of progress the way it was so yeah that's all really interesting yeah yeah for sure and um i don't know it it, everything just comes down to choices and we never know what choices we're going to make is going to affect our lives for the good or for the better and sometimes we don't have a choice um the Mm. one one choice i saw that i thought was really interesting was when when shane finds the water and then immediately like Mm. starts pouring it and i'm like okay i understand like you're thirsty, you're freaking hot and sweaty. But me and Alina, we were like, he's he's wasting a lot of water that could be used. Like, <laughs> yeah. like why not get everyone in a line and give them like a, a cup of water? You know, uh, have them fill their containers. But you know, like, and it was sort of that rash choice of like, I'm thirsty in the moment. I need this water right now to be poured on me, uh, which is which is mm. interesting. Uh, okay, I want I wanted to kind of talk about Andrea's choice to to commit suicide and Dale sort of force her hand to not um to not die the way she wanted mm. to um because andrea like it, it, it's so it's so interesting because andrea wanted to make a choice to not die by being eaten alive and and torn apart um but then again that choice didn't just affect her it affected dale as well and and also I don't know. It's kind of tricky. Like, what do you think about that situation? I think it's uh, it's so delicate. That one, it always gets me because you can really you can see both perspectives. Like, they have they have merit in both, right? Obviously, Dale has kind of the, the fatherly or, or, or grandfatherly even kind of uh, perspective of just looking out yeah. for somebody and and trying to make sure that that they're safe and they're okay. And even though that's not guaranteed where they are, like you know they want to make sure they're okay for as long as they can be and, and kind of that protective nature. So I definitely see how that's a you know obviously we want people to be okay. And if we if we know someone's about to make a decision that'll impact their lives uh like that mm-hmm. we want to kind of step in but gosh in in a situation uh like the walking dead where so many choices have been taken from you that you normally would have right like to have the choice to, yeah. to, to to go to work or have the choice to uh you know go out to lunch with your friends or simple things like that to, to larger things like the choice to who you have to be around with to survive so many choices have been taken from you in this mm-hmm. situation and perhaps one of the most sacred choices left with everybody uh, is how they live and how they how they die how they decide to die, um, so it, it and it's I think anytime we're put in a situation where we feel that our our choices are taken from us we just uh, it's a really hard crisis to go through it's it's in a, a lesser example perhaps you know when um, when we're kids and and you know we're we're in, obviously under our parents' household that's one of the reasons why we seek to express ourselves in every little way we can you know dyeing our hair a certain way or or, or maybe uh, going through a rebellious phase and and wearing all black clothing or whatever it's because so many choices are not ours and we want to make sure that the ones that we do have are made by us so it's it's really interesting the contradiction between between those choices and those perspectives yeah that's that's cool that's cool that you bring that up is is the we we thrive on having choices and 
wanting to keep choices and stuff. So, yeah, I really like that. Um, so, another choice that I saw, I don't know if you noticed this, but when, when Carl went into the forest to go help look for Sophia, uh, he got, he was wearing camouflage. Mm. And I don't know if you noticed that, but that, I mean, that choice just to wear camouflage, mm. like they didn't know that someone was going to be hunting. Someone else was going to be hunting in the woods. They didn't know that, you know, that was going to happen. And it's just that small choice. Like if, if Carl was wearing maybe bright orange, mm-hmm. then that might've affected the outcome, but we don't know. And I'm sure like, and I'm sure the decision of bringing Carl <laughs> out there probably destroyed Rick because I mean, he made that decision and, and then Carl got really hurt. And so I, I just think the, the idea of choice um, and even going, even circling back to choices we make when we're, when we're panicking, mm. it's just, you never know what's going to happen. So you might as well just like make the choices that you feel right in making mm. and then just continue on. I mean, I don't think I would ever make the choice unless I was hunting to uh, wear camouflage. Yeah. Um, Cause that, that's just not right for me, mm. you know, but, uh, uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, it's just fascinating. I love that little detail that he was wearing camouflage. Well, it just goes to show, like, um, we're all just these imperfect, weird little little people acting with the uh, limited information that we have about the day and about the world. We have no idea. Like, we have a pretty general idea of maybe what's going to happen with our routine when we go out the door, right? We're going to go to class or we're going to go to work and, you know, maybe we'll see Jim from the mm-hmm. office, things like that. Uh, but as far as like those basics point a to point b we have really no idea what's going to happen and how even the smallest thing like wearing Mm -hmm. a certain t-shirt out in the mall where you might you know see someone who who likes the same band or something and strikes up a conversation we have no idea how those little little choices uh will affect us and and uh when we are kind of like you mentioned before circling back when we are stressed and when we're hurt and when we have situations that shock us suddenly that scarcity of data that we already had becomes even more scarce and now we're just faced with like Mm -hmm. the little things maybe we can control you know uh you know like being able to to stop stop the bleeding that you know is suddenly occurring uh the ability to kind of shorten our breaths and make sure that we can actually breathe without hyperventilating becomes a more prominent decision than really focusing on what's outside of us so yeah it's it's kind of it's kind of amazing how much little decisions can really affect us uh, and our outcomes without us knowing it. I think that's why we can sometimes get frozen by decisions from, you know, which major do I choose or is this the right house to buy to, you know, should I go with a skinny latte or a normal latte today? You know, little, even little things can just uh, really freeze us. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, all right. I, I kind of want to talk about religion a little bit um, mm. because, because we saw a little bit, my favorite line in the whole episode was Daryl saying, you taking any requests, JC? Uh, I thought, you know, I'd probably say something snide like that if I was in that situation. Um, Mm. but it, I, I wanted to talk about Carol specifically. Um, Mm. and I, I genuinely don't think I would be very religious in an apocalyptic situation. I think I would be pretty, I'd be pretty upset at God and I would be pretty like, I, I wouldn't want to put my faith in him. Uh, and, and, you know, uh, kind of delving into, into my personality, I, whenever bad things happen to me, I have a really hard time putting my faith in him. I would rather Mm. just get stuff done that I need to get done and, and just allowing it to, to be made whole essentially. And Mm. so I find it fascinating that Carol, she's gone through so much trauma, even in her own life before this happened, like her husband, her husband abused her, her husband abused her daughter. And, and then her daughter went missing, her husband died and, and she still has so much faith that God will, will help her. And, and she even, she even mentions like, I prayed for Ed to die. Um, and that's a sin. And I don't think that's a sin to, to pray that, you know, your abuser will be out of your life. I I really don't Mm -hmm. think that that is. And and I, I find it so heartbreaking that she thinks she's being punished for doing that, you know, for wanting a better life for her and her daughter. You know, what are your, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, no, you bring up some some fascinating points. I think religion in itself is such a, uh, uh, especially in a land where like there's no there's seemingly like no hope and no no thing to really put your faith into. Uh, I think religion mm-hmm. helps us to. Uh, interpret the choices that we make and maybe the choices that are thrust upon us and also the ones that are taken away from us. Um, uh, you know, for example, you know, she chooses to interpret, uh, instead of, um, you know, Ed, Ed, you know, just dying, um, and, and good riddance, uh, while she still, you know, obviously doesn't hold back any remorse for the man. She 
interprets that because she wanted Ed to die, that uh, this is somehow her fault, right? And that and that and that her her daughter is being taken away, and she pleads, "Please don't let this be my punishment." I think that was the most significant line of the episode for me. Yeah. Please don't let this be mm-hmm. my punishment. Um, kind of trying to negotiate and and uh, argue for maybe a different choice she can make and a different thing she could do to to rectify this. I also think it's interesting uh, talking about Rick's kind of approach to religion, being pretty blatant honest at the end there right saying hey i've never been much of a believer and and, and you know that uh, but i just need i need a little bit of something i I, I need a little bit of something to kind of to kind of push this through uh and and i think just i don't know i think in a situation like this it i think it would both make people turn away from and go to religion uh where they hadn't before and it's just interesting to see the way people Mm -hmm. um use religion to interpret the situations uh going on around them interesting i have a question about rick saying give me a sign give me a little push um because right after that carl gets shot do you think that was the sign because because i mean i mean yeah carl getting shot seeing your kid get shot scary scary traumatizing moment for any parent right Mm. and and then you know otis comes out he's like oh Ah! Uh, (laughs) and then otis is like i have a farm the they were like Carl getting shot was awful, but then they were able to go to this farm and live on this farm. Mm-hmm. And they had no idea. Sophia was on this farm. A spoiler alert, spoiler mm-hmm. alert, uh, for everyone. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, Sophia's on this farm, uh, or she, she ends up at the farm at some point. Um, and, mm-hmm. and then that's how, like if they weren't, if Carl didn't get shot, they may not have found Sophia and gotten that closure as well as they wouldn't have lived on the farm and lived on the safe place for, for a while. I mean, they don't know that Fort Benning is going to be safe or not, you know? And so, I don't know. Right. It seemed sort of interesting that that seemed like his sign, e- even though he probably didn't want that sign specifically, <laughs> that that was a sign. God was like, okay, here you go, kid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like kind of a, um, it's kind of like the, the old, um, joke that you know of, of genies who grant wishes but make it just like a horrible interpretation like, like oh, yeah. of the wish right yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, it's like i want a million dollars okay yeah fine you have a million dollars you know in uh uh you know in in, in useless gamestop socks or yeah. something you know which i mean before this year would have been a funny joke but you know <laughs> maybe, maybe not yeah. um but uh yeah it's uh i think i think uh uh, yeah, I, I I don't know. That's that's just so fascinating that uh, he asked for a sign, and the next thing you know, you know, his son's on the ground. And uh, but I do think that a lot of times um, with religion, uh, I think in my my personal experience, I think we want the absolute perfect signs and the perfect nudges, like a light to shine, like on the certain direction we're supposed to go, or you know, holy music to to rise when we're waking up in the morning and about to make a certain decision. And it's it's not quite like that. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it necessarily means that if I'm searching for answers, you know, one of my buddies is going to get shot, and that's going to lead me to, to to where I I need to go. I certainly hope that's not the case. Anyway, oof. Yeah. Um, but I I do. Th- that, that when we're looking for, uh, you know, I guess a, a, a turning point and a reason to make a decision um, or something to, to shine new perspective, uh, we don't always get to choose what that is, which is is kind of frustrating within itself, right? Our, when we kind of look to um, to a higher power, or we look to maybe added inspiration from another source, uh, what we find, um, I guess, isn't always what, what we'd like to find. So that's, that's interesting there. Yeah. And I mean, it's, I find it always sort of funny when people pray about every little detail in their life. Like, should Mm -hmm. I do this or should I, um, you know, what should I eat today? And it's not a lot of people, but a lot of people pray about every little, (laughs) like some people pray about every little aspect in their life when really it's just, you know, do our, our choices limited by a divine being or do we have Mm. full agency uh, you know, it, to mm-hmm. to make these decisions and to just live our life, you know, or are are like bad things deflected or bad things caused by a divine entity? I don't think that question has ever really been answered because you know mm. we we just don't know. And I think when when people are looking for signs, they're they're going to find signs. Um, yeah. when we don't know yeah. that it's a sign, it might just be what happened, you know. And I used to, I used to, as a kid, I used to think like, oh, this bad thing happened because I, I did this sin. And, uh, yeah. and now like, I, I don't think that way. I'm like, well, this bad thing happened. I remember I got, me and Alina got, um, basically our contract wasn't being renewed for another year at our mm-hmm. old place. And we had to, we had to move in a month 
in in uh, Utah Valley, which was absolute hell because Utah Valley is the worst place to find housing. Uh, one of the worst places. I wouldn't say the worst mm. place. Uh, but um, and I I remember going back to well maybe it's because of this because I made these decisions that I'm being punished mm. and and maybe it's because of this. But you know I I don't think that it was my decisions. I think it just happened. And I don't think, and yeah. like, it seemed like a really bad situation at first as well, but then, you know, we were able to move into a better place, um, if that makes mm. sense. So yeah, it's all, it's all like this whole episode is all intertwined with making choices, whether it's a divine being that makes your choices for you or punishes you mm. or like how we make choices in, in the heat of terror and how we make choices as a leader and what affects that. It's really 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 fascinating mm. stuff mm. yeah no that's um I, I think sometimes too we i think we seek to um i think we try to match every consequence with every choice which i i think i think it can be helpful mm -hmm. to maybe take account of your life and maybe see what's brought you to where you are now and, and even in a good way you know what what things have have contributed to to where where you are and and, and where you want to keep keep going but i also think if we i don't know if we like painstakingly try to ascribe every detail of our lives that's not right with something we did wrong i think we prevent ourselves from making future choices if we kind of um turn the focus on that to we sinned and, or we did something bad we made a mistake to uh you know the how can i use my agency to make a different choice. I think there's a lot to do with the mindset yeah. we have at confronting those decisions and confronting those consequences. I think we've seen in the episode examples of, you know, things that can freeze people and leave them kind of bewildered or, or ways in which, you know, happenings can, can motivate uh, people to, to other choices. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I do think we have, we don't realize the power we have and the choices that we make and, mm -hmm. and how that affects our lives and the lives of other people. I mean, I think we have immense power of our agency and our choices um, and our choices of our, our lack of choices, I guess, uh, of choices that we make, like lack of pursuing a choice, I, I suppose. But yeah, mm -hmm. that's all really interesting stuff. All right. Well, uh, we will be back with a short musical break and then we will be back with a moral dilemma. Thank you guys for listening again. So here's your moral dilemma, Donnie. Yep. So Sounds good. <clears throat> when is it? Um, let's see. When is the time? Mm -hmm. So a missing person, some someone goes missing. When is the time to stop looking for them? Like how long do you wait to stop looking for them? And and when do you decide they're just gonna be gone? They might still be alive, but they're gone. They might be dead. Like when when is the decision? where you just mm. decide to move on. I think this is a fascinating question especially within the episode because you can kind of see it you can kind of see it happening in increments depending on the character. Um I think Dale might be like the first one to kind of voice it out loud, you know, it's only a matter of time really before we have to start considering the possibility that we won't find her or that we at least won't find her the way we want to find her. Mm -hmm. Uh and just kind of starts preparing himself for like maybe that more rational side. Um and then of course you have the opposite of that which is yeah. Carol who is just holding on to as as a mother should and would and as a parent would to any any shred of hope that uh you know they're gonna find her um uh and i think i think too often we just place this question on the um in just in the context of time like how many days like how how many hours which is it's all important information to consider but i think my answer would probably have a lot more to do with the resources that you've exhausted um you know how how large mm. is the area where we're talking about um if we're talking maybe about a nationwide manhunt and they were abducted in a car that certainly complicates things you know how, how many people have you mm -hmm. talked to and uh because I, I think there's a point where you do um, where you do end up doing more harm than good if you are just continually dragging out the process and you know you're you're preventing the family from moving on if you're saying no nope, there's still there's still hope there's still a chance and it's been like two months and you haven't found anything you haven't found any new developments or anything like that uh, there is there is a hindrance in that um, so I think my answer would probably be uh, you know when you know that you've exhausted um, every possibility that could get them home within uh within a month or within a couple of weeks would be would be my uh like short version of the answer but it's such a hard call to make because you never you never know yeah 
Well, I know, I know of situations where, like, and my mom even told me that if I, like, went missing, that she would leave the porch light on constantly mm. as sort of, like, a beacon, I suppose, to, to like, hope yeah. that I would come home. <clears throat> and and it, when I was about 10 or, mm-hmm. or 11 years old, um, there was this, in Utah, there was this case. Uh, did you hear about the Susan Powell case? I did, yeah. Yeah, and, and you know... Uh, people are suspecting that her husband killed her. I mean, her husband was pretty manipulative and abusive, mm-hmm. and and so it was it was easy to suspect that he killed her, yeah. um, whether accidentally or otherwise. But I mean, no one could find her body anywhere. They found leads, and they would just run dry, you know. And <laughs> they couldn't convict him because they couldn't find a body. And so, and there came a and my mom was following that case so much, but there came a point where I was just sort of like, I I think it's time for the family to move on like it mm. it had been a year of hearing constant like what is going on with this and and i was just sort of like you know it, it there comes there needs to be a point where you mm. need to decide that this this is a possibility no matter how hard it is to make that decision yeah that this person may not be coming back at all in this mm. life and that it is it is not healthy for us um as a family or as a community to to hold on to this uh, mm. awful thing that's happened because then we, then we're, we're going to be stuck living this over and over and over. And it's not mentally or physically healthy for anyone to continue to be in this, this constant state of hope and, and dread, mm. you know? Yeah. I, I like that. This constant state of hope and dread, because I think in a, in a situation like that, uh, those emotions kind of go, go hand in hand. Um, this kind of reminds me of definitely a less, less serious example, but uh, I, I wrestled in high school. I was a very, very subpar wrestler, <laughs> pretty, but pr- pretty de- dic- uh-huh. a dic- a dictionary <laughs> definition of, of average. But, uh, we, we went to a, a region uh-huh. tournament, my, my junior year, a seven hour drive. Uh, we almost won the region championship. We ended up losing by three points, which in, in, in wrestling terms is very, very close margin based if one person had done just one more thing right, if one person had just scored a couple more points uh, in their match, then we basically would have won. And so that seven-hour bus ride was one of the worst experiences of my high school career, and I always remember it because uh, for the week and a half after uh, leading up to state, our, our coach had to sit us down at one point and say, you guys need to get off the damn bus. You guys came home, but I don't think you ever really got off that bus. Uh, and I think in a lot of ways, more serious things, of course, like this, when a child goes missing or something so tragic like that happens, there comes a point where you know you do need to take that step and kind of allow yourself to move forward not definitely not forget you know your child definitely not forget you know the tragedy that happened but to allow yourself and others like you mentioned the community and especially in the walking dead where everyone so much depends on each other um to kind of allow everybody to move on yeah yeah awesome well um what do you guys think, listeners? Uh, you can comment on the Instagram and Twitter posts that will be posted um, about this episode. You can also email us at feedonteatyourbrain at gmail.com. I also just made a TikTok, and I will be posting videos alongside zombie content along this podcast, uh, things like that on TikTok. You can, it's called Feed Don't Eat Your Brain. And uh, also like, subscribe, share, and, and review this podcast. That will help a lot to help this podcast grow. As well as uh, follow Fortin Horseman on YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, and uh, Facebook. and Because we're, we're going to be posting a lot of short films this upcoming holiday season. So thank you guys for listening. Uh, have a good night, day, whenever you guys are listening to this. All right. See you guys later. Bye-bye.